0: Well, mate, welcome back into the studio, mate. I love that intro.
1: You know, I, I was, it was, it was a glorious moment when I heard it for the first, first time, time. But yes. it's, it's still good. Yeah, oh, I think I think it'll stand the test of time. I one. think it will. I think it's going to yeah. grow and grow and yeah. grow. Yes,
0: yeah. yes. Things have been developing behind the scenes. They have. Not only have I uh, sent my co-host a, a text message. That was uh, directed towards my lady friend. Uh, so yes. things have changed between you and I now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah they'll a never real, be the same. A real
1: twinkle in my eye when I look at you now,
0: Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the, the podcast is going to be back bigger and badder and better than ever yeah. in uh, 2016. Mm, certainly quite, badder anyway. Yeah, certainly. Certainly could not have got much worse, but yeah. we're going to take it to new depths. Depths really deep. <laughs> <laughs> really deep, Very serious. So there's been some rebranding going on behind the scenes. It has a little uh, eye dotting, T crossing. That's right. This show doesn't come together uh, off the smell of an oily rag anymore, Roy. Hey,
1: there's, there's only any flat whites and chicken sneezes you can feed Cam. Then he has to he demands money. That's right. Yeah, and
0: sound engineer, because there is actually
1: Cam. Do, do something, man. Make a noise.
0: Uh. Yeah, there, um, we go. Well, there we go so, it certainly wasn't me it does exist because there are yeah. those in the audience who believe and Cam is mythical yes and he's in a some myth- ways, mythical being he kind of is yes but this is now the Icon Performance Health Podcast we can still chuck a little bit of under the bar around the place but essentially <laughs> oh. <laughs> is that right a bit of under the bar definitely we, we might have a reference That's, here and there but. yes but the sister gym to the Clean Health Performance Centre, yep, uh, the Icon Performance Centre. Yep. it's a 24-hour gym located in Artarmon. 24/7 just got serious, though A stronger 24/7. <laughs> <laughs> a, yes. couple of the, a couple of the taglines. Yeah. But seriously, it's a it's
1: quite a, an impressive gym on uh, Artarmon on the north side of Sydney.
0: Yes. Worth
1: uh, seeking it out. It's, it's well worth it.
0: Well, I mean, it's a performance centre fitted out to the standard of, of what clean health is. Yep. All the Watson uh, dumbbells and all the various bits and pieces, yeah. very, very snazzy. Got the, uh, the animal leg press in there as well, the Watson gear. So, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of trick. Again, faster, some nice bars in there. It's the premier 24-hour gym mm. in Australia for sure. Yep. And um, Big Al. Big, uh, the,
1: the mythical bean that, that is Big Al, not the one off
0: uh, South not, Park. No, No. not the South Park Big <laughs> <thing. laughs> i Cause I don't even know that one. It uh, yeah, yeah. just sounded funny. Yeah, just, so I, I thought you, I'd brought it up. You better to distance yourself from yes. that comment, mate. Yep. So we're, we're here to, to bring you the same uh, the same brand of Sprafter. Yeah, the same quality. Degree, but we are going to mix up the, I guess, the format of the program to a certain degree oh. this year <laughs> moving forward. Yeah. Uh, it's and- exciting, Tom. It's very exciting. We really
1: uh, pulled in some favors for this one for our listeners. So hopefully they uh, all enjoy the new format as much as you and I will.
0: Yes. So we'll be launching the show proper in 2016. Yep. What we're doing with this episode is just uh, letting you guys know that we're, we're back in action. Yep. And just to prime the nervous system oh, to yeah. a certain degree for what's uh, coming up in the new to year. The Alpha GPC. But so we'll we have a really good feature guest on every episode. Yep. But in between that, we're going to uh, utilize some of the best minds in the business for yeah regular contributions to the program yeah. on, a, on yeah. a weekly or fortnightly basis. Yes. Now, some of the people we've got on board, Rawdon a good uh, friend of the program, a mentor program. And, and colleague to yourself, uh-huh. uh, Charles Polifan.
1: Yeah. Yeah, now that's uh, really excited about that one. I, uh, Unfortunately for him, I do have his uh, private email, so yes. I uh, kept harassing him email after email, and uh, <laughs> eventually he crumbled it and did. Gave... Yes. So, all things being equal, we should be able to uh, record some uh, great content with the, the big dog himself. And um, I think we're, we might be going down the.
0: We might look into his patent the, the theory elements. of the, the five elements. Yeah, in regards the, to programming, yes. It's a system of, of programming that he has uh, developed through time in the trenches, essentially, yeah, and, and plus, training some of the world's best athletes. Last hundred years in the trenches. So he will be making a regular contribution. Yeah, for, small for the show. bite-sized
1: chunks for our for our listener. Uh, yeah, which will be really good.
0: Takeaway points. We've also got Paul Carter. Yeah, Paul Carter. One of the Fortunately
1: I have his um, e- email as yeah. well. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes. So Paul Carter. I mean, uh, I mean, he's been a guest on the program before, and those yeah. of you that have listened to to his episode would get a feel for what he's like. But he's one of the most uh, prolific writers in the health and fitness yeah, industry. Yeah. Very. Been Featured on all of the, uh, the major online publications. Teenage. Showing and around. He for that one. And I think his blog was in the top 10 blogs on the internet.
1: Yeah, and he's uh, teamed up with old Tippy Toes, Christian Tabito. I think the boys have released or about to release uh, some sort of uh, book. Mm. Uh, re-strength training, hypertrophy training. So Both that's exciting.
0: Very staunch together. Yeah. So uh, Paul will be joining us for a regular segment on the show also. Yep. Then we have Mark Buckley from fma yes so we're going to tap into some uh specific strength training uh knowledge yeah and really there's there's few people from a technical aspect as well versed as, yes. as uh, mark buck in that field he,
1: he, he really is the the geek of the the strength training world and, yes. and he self-confessed he just loves the numbers and the how and the why and To the point where, you know, he went over and spent a couple of weeks with Louis Simmons at Westside Barbell, who we are trying to get on the program too. So for our listeners, we we are trying to pull pull some strings for that one, but... But um, yeah, and you know, I could listen to Mark all day. It's, yeah. It really is a, an education in itself. So well, we're looking we forward to that.
0: Sat in on a, a webinar that he had uh, just last week. It got the juices flowing for what kind of stuff we can cover with him on the podcast because he yeah strength training methods.
1: And we want it to be like a, a, quite an organic evolution of, of strength training in his eyes, and where to start, and, and how do you progress, and the different uh, all the different aspects of strength training. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. our listener. Should be very uh, beneficial.
0: Then we're going to tap into a uh, nutrition geek and a bit of a functional medicine guru in Dan Garner,
1: Mr. Chocolate Milk and Medjool um, Date h- himself. Yes, yes. not really necessarily
0: someone with the uh, the profile of if, you know Paul Carter or, or Charles Poliquin, but feedback yeah. from our listeners as to one of the most informative and, yeah. and useful interviews that we did was with yep. Dan, yeah. and he's got a real knack of breaking down science and research yep. into applicable and understandable methods to apply.
1: Well, we could almost understand it. So that's how uh, how layman's terms it. He, yes. he likes to break things down. But but let's not, um, you know, he has worked in the shadows of Andre Benoit for, you know, however many mm. years at the Canadian Center of Strength and Conditioning, but out on his own now as uh, the Dan Garner entity uh, in, in itself. But um, well worth following on social media. He does put up a lot of content on his uh, yes. Facebook page. But yeah, he's going to be and again, that one's going to be somewhat of an evolution.
0: Yes, that, this is almost like a, an audio textbook with Dan. We're going to go through the fundamentals of nutrition, yep. the building blocks from the macronutrients yep. all the Protein, way out fat, through carbs, up
1: to carbs, and what do you do? What, what does it
0: all mean? What does it all um, mean, and, and how do we start program design? Yep. So, have a pen and paper handy for those segments. And then um, then
1: uh, the best to last, perhaps, with with this one, mate. Yes, and then we've
0: gone um, into our own backyard, someone yep. who you've been associated with for a while uh, in the industry, yeah, Rod. I've known him for quite um, some time a neuroscientist of all yeah. things but with a real keen sense of uh, physiology yeah and uh, a specialist in interpreting research and data yeah. and breaking that down into understandable bite-sized chunks for us as well yeah and uh, we'll be talking to this guy a bit later on in the program he's going to come on and uh, we introduce himself but it's uh luke tullock yep a uh, colleague of yours at the lift performance center yeah no he's an he's a awesome guy
1: he has a uh, fiery gingery beard that he likes to stroke when he. Uh, Really gets involved in a topic, much like I like to look upwards. He understands that, that most people don't understand the, the the studies and the and the, and the way studies are uh, are written, and and um his talent, one of his many many talents, is is been able to break the studies down and and the take home points, and mm. we're really going to utilise him in, in that regard, but. I think we also, somewhat of an evolution in endocrinology and 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 uh, yeah. an overview of the physiology of the body, and yeah. and go through all the big the big guns, the insulin, cortisol, and and, and estrogen and progesterone and all the the, the key players and. and the sort of significance each of them why we should be aware of them or should we not be so concerned yeah. about cortisol and insulin you know
0: is there are there bigger things and can we actually manipulate these hormones yeah. through our training and nutrition exactly so exactly. that's what we'll do with uh, Luke we'll go through the the endocrine system yep um but today we're going to break down the recent study that came out from yeah. the World Health Organization about red meat yep. causing yep. cancer so we're mm. going to give you the ins and outs and and just for once and for all put a line Underneath, yep. So we can Blind understand whereabouts we stand with this. Just to give you a little teaser into our first episode for 2016, our very special guest is going to be Nelson Virgil.
1: Yeah, yeah, Nelson Virgil. Uh, so, you know, I bought his um, uh, his uh, book, Testosterone: A Man's Guide. Yeah, that's the one. He's got a few books out. Uh, Built to Survive is another one of his, but Testosterone: A Man's Guide. I bought that one, and uh, really good, um, a really good insight into. Uh, essentially that testosterone and <laughs> a man's guide what, yeah. what it's all about why you need it and what happens when you do uh, become the age of 40 41 and you know, training gets a little harder and you know uh, uh, what are the symptoms of, of low testosterone what are the associated concerns and, and all that sort of stuff so fantastic book but we're going to talk to him
0: talk to Nelson and, and aside and from the his ability to tell us how to optimise our testosterone yep the other thing is his life story is absolutely fascinating yeah yeah Yeah. that's
1: that's a really interesting story and I'm sure our listeners will love that one too
0: boom And some new stings as well, and that's exciting. Very good, yeah, mate. We can't just come on here and gas bag about what we're going to do without giving nah. some sort of content. We're give our listeners something, sure. Go on. So, mate, uh, in the time that we've had out of the studio, you're doing some different things these days. Has there been anything significant that you're doing differently, or any any insights into the way you uh, you program for your clients, or you're working with nutrition and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I guess uh, one little thing. I get a I guess a a, a twist on something I was doing anyway. Um, the whole process of um, essentially breaking through a plateau, the, the, the plateau that it will always uh, occur when you put the individual in some sort of energy, uh, negative energy balance, uh, yep. depending on, you know, how significant the energy balance is, and it will vary from person to person. There's no, you know, exactly if you put them into a, a 20% deficit or some sort of deficit below their theoretical baseline caloric intake, within, you know, seven days, the metabolic rate is going to slow and um progress will 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 come to a grinding halt there's no exact uh you know varies from person to person obviously there's a ton of variables you know that, that come into play but but i guess the one thing that that i have been using this time around with all my competitors to get them on stage is essentially being aware that when we reduce energy um and I still think that's that's king, that's absolute. So to be uh, a chief fat loss, there has to be some sort of uh, negative energy balance, yep. be it a training stimulus or calorie restriction, or uh, well, they're the two variables? combination of the two, combination of the two, exactly. Yep. So uh, I guess what uh, what I've done in the past is basically the the method to the the, the madness of a of a breaking a plateau is to. Uh, give the body um, an increase in energy, so it perceives a uh, you know a healthier state of balance, and then uh, th- the metabolism essentially will uh, revert back to some somewhat uh, efficient, and then the, the process of fat loss can uh, occur thereafter. So the whole um, this is the uh, refeeding approach. Refeeding to approach. Put a loose term on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean uh, cheap meals do very little. I, I think, with my experience, do very little for. Um, any sort of uh, metabolic benefit, uh, breaking out of a plateau, they they can be more trouble than they're worth for the individual. You give them a a taste of freedom, if you will, Mm. and then uh, you open the floodgates and they they certainly crave things um, much more thereafter. But the flip side of that's true too. It can really take them out of a dark place and give them some sort of uh, uh, deviation away from what they've been buried deep in the last um, 10 or 12 weeks. So, pros and cons for the cheap meal, but beyond that, um, I think the cheat meal, uh, if it is a, a significant energy intake, will invariably simply put fat on. That's a, that's a given. Mm. And I guess the process thereafter is you, you know, you're, I guess, aware of the, the uh, additional body fat um, and it'll come off in the, the subsequent days and, and, and weeks, I guess. Uh, so that's the reason why I don't really uh, enjoy the uh, prescribing or recommending the cheap meal very often, unless it's the psychological benefit. Yep. And even then, um, I'll, I'll, I'll put some sort of parameter on it, and, and they can have an increased energy intake with the cheap meal. Um, but it w- again, it won't be excessive, because yep. any uh, surplus of energy over what they're currently at will, to a point, yeah, you might get some glycogen uh, loaded, definitely. Um, if it's carbohydrate focused, but uh, you will also get uh, spillover. A, a spillover, exactly. You've got to put fat on. Yep. Okay, it's given. okay. Refeed period, however, that's uh, far more uh, beneficial. Low glycogen stores, uh, give the body a. Because it's too short, too brief, the, the cheap meal. You know, an influx of energy You know, for a two hour period, it doesn't really do anything, mm-hmm. uh, I feel long term for. A, uh, to uh, improve uh, the metabolism in any way, shape or form. So the refeed period. But where I was, uh, not going wrong, but where I was doing it in the past was increasing calories from where they were back to their baseline that they started at. So for example, okay. if they were at 2,000 calories uh, and I was down around you know 1,400 calories the pro- uh, so a process you, over a couple of weeks.
0: To start the process with everyone, you come in, you figure out their... BMR, and yeah, you set up some sort, of, some sort of baseline yep. so that you know where home is to manipulate up or down. Correct, okay. correct. And so now you've been, and we'll say that's two thousand. Two thousand. And you've been progressively taking them down, yep. and now they're sitting at somewhere around about fourteen. For argument's sake, uh, fourteen hundred. Yeah. They're experiencing yep. all these um, uh, symptoms of down regulation of metabolism and, yeah, and being basically in a starved state. Yeah. And so you're going to bring them back to some sort of metabolic uh, baseline with some sort of refeed protocol. Yeah, you're gonna increase the energy to give the body a, a sense of uh,
1: equal energy balance, and yep. uh, and and in that process, reset things like leptin levels improve, and yep. uh, basically thyroid upregulates, and and uh, the process of fat loss, uh, you know, uh, can occur more efficiently thereafter. Right. But what I was doing is taking it back up to that 2,000. But the reality is that the body adapts to whatever, to a degree, whatever. Um, uh, energy you're giving it it has to it can't keep running on a, a BMR of 2000 calories if you're only giving it 1400 calories Yeah. so it slows e- even down even
0: if even if you're holding lean mass yeah like if you give
1: it 1400 calories it's just going to slow, slow down. down slow the metabolic rate so it it survives on 1400 calories if it still requires 2000 then it will be you know essentially you know you run that that starts breaking you know a lot more muscle tissue down etc 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 which can still occur but Point being is the body adapts to whatever you uh, you give it. So if you give it fourteen hundred, then theoretically the the baseline at that point in time is is around fourteen hundred calories. So taking it up to two thousand where you started uh, is great. It's going to give it an increased energy intake, and uh, it certainly will improve the metabolic rate. But it comes at a cost, and that cost is an increase in body fat during that refeed period. A spillage. Yeah, you, you're just you're just consuming too much energy for where they're at. So. Yep. What I did this time around, it's a little, uh, it's a little tougher for the individual, and it's, and it's almost the case of uh, once you've made that decision to, to go further and further into a deficit, because the body will adapt. You go to 1800 calories initially, great, you get some fat loss, boom, then it adapts at 1800, then okay, cool, we go down to, for argument's sake, 1600, great, you might get another couple of weeks out of that, more fat loss, then stabilize at 16, okay, great, yep, then we go down to 1400, boom, 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 and then going below 1400, you might not really get that much, and that varies from person to person too, knowing. Uh, uh, whether to keep pushing or whether it's time for that refeed period and that whole process getting down to 14 1200 calories uh i'm talking for a female you know that's coming into a just show. round numbers yeah for round the numbers yep don't sort of say well that's so low you know what's he yep. doing it's all re- relative to where they're at at that point in time yes so going from 1400 back up to that 2000 it's it's, it's a 1600 600 calorie a day uh increase in 600 calories uh, if, the, if the 1400 is their baseline, 10% would be 140, so you're going up 50, 60% over what their maintenance is at that 1400, yep. and that's just uh, too high energy in, uh, intake. For a specific goal of uh, a fat loss goal that's in the foreseeable future. If it's long term, that's fine. You can put some body fat on, that, that's all right. A little bit of body fat on, still much less than what you were at 2000. Yeah, don't that's sweat cool, it. cool story. Yeah. And then bring the calories back down, that's fine. But I'm talking about a competitor in the final stages of a comp prep, yep. going back up to 2000. Like, I don't want any fat to go on this individual at any point in time. I yes. want it to be progressive. So what I did was basically from, if if for argument's sake they were at 1400, it would be a 20 to 30% energy increase at that 1400 so yep. it will go from you know uh, 10% to 140 so you'd go uh whatever that is 420 uh so you're up about 1800 calories from where you were but not that 2000 calories yeah so you're just controlling the energy intake a little bit more but i found that that uh so far has worked much more effectively in in because i found i was giving these repeat periods and and things would improve and then the drop again but then the body fat wasn't necessarily being vastly beyond where it was when i assessed before i had the refeed period and then the subsequent uh, fat loss period after the increase in, in yeah, energy intake
0: kind of spinning the wheels so to speak yeah
1: like one step uh, two steps forward one back I was yeah. like ah, okay, is there be, a better way is there a better way yeah. so and that's what I've been doing this time around for my competitors and it seems to have uh, nipped that uh, aspect of the refeed period in the bud and, and it, uh, that's what I uh, am telling you that has worked quite well for me, and that's something that you guys can try, and Elicitor can try. So when you are bringing calories back up, and that's the only way you can uh, break through a plateau, is give an increase in energy intake, Yep. uh, do it relative to where they are at that point in time. Three days minimum, up to five to seven, um, if, if it's a long prep you know you might be able to do four or five days but three days minimum i, I feel for the refeed period any less than that like a two-day weekend it may work it, it it may not so i tend to uh, drop all training on those uh, refeed days yep and then put calories up from that uh, wherever they were 20% up to 30% above uh, where they are at, and it won't be a huge uh, increase in uh, energy for them. And that's what I said. When you made the decision to drop calories down, it, you know it's, it it will get tougher and tougher the prep towards the, yeah. the finish line. But if uh, absolute uh, body fat percentages or body fat levels uh, on the individual uh, what you're working towards for a competitor, then I really think that's um, that's essentially. If you ask what I was doing different this time around, um, that was probably probably the big thing that that I've done this time around is nice. just keeping that energy intake, uh, controlling the energy intake a little more with cheat meals, with the refeed period, and being mm. well aware of um, where they're at. Uh, metabolically at that point in time.
0: And just generally making things a little bit harder for your clientele.
1: Yeah, yeah. really making it tough on them. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, the end result is they're going to be a better, <laughs> uh, better rig up on stage. That's so, right. uh, you know, <laughs> that's the
0: priority, I guess. <laughs> Very good, mate. Yeah. Well, I well, mean, we, we did ask
1: Cam if he could come up with a few stings himself, but I might uh, take that request back. I'm quite liking those. You're enjoying uh, little, that, are you, yeah, mate? Yeah, yeah r- nice, very much nice.
0: so. Well, it's clear, mate, you haven't been wasting your time in the trenches while we've been off the air. Some some interesting nutritional yeah. strategies there.
1: Yeah, life goes on with the
0: competitors. It certainly does. I thought myself, mate, some... Um, and we can spitball this around a little bit and come up with some uh, hypotheses, because... I guess over the course of doing this podcast, and you know, just being Program. In, in the industry and, and sniffing around and trying to get better at the craft, yep, come up with some pretty good strategies systems. for hypertrophy, yep. and some different training systems, and the various nutritional protocols that go along with that, yep. The stuff that I've done with you in the past, working with Andre, yep. all of our guests that we've had on this show, yep. if, you, if you the Sarchevs and the, the Meadowses, the Poliquins, exactly, the Tobitos of the world, tibitos. all of these guys, if you sort of pull together all the common threads of what they've discussed. And actually start applying it, mm. you know. Surprisingly enough, it actually works. Yeah. However, I'll paint a scenario for you, and this is um, uh, Paulie down at uh, CHPC. Was <laughs> that who it was? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it, this is Paulie. So oh, we've got some.
1: Um, hey, for any of our listeners, Paul uh, Stevenson, awesome guy. Yes. I think he's a super coach in his own right. Yeah, very really, much so. Really, really yep. smart guy, and, he, and, he,
0: and he's got his ear to the ground. Lovely bloke. I like it. So working with him, he wants to do a, a comp uh, next year. Okay. comp I think. Yeah, yeah. Naturally, pretty lean. Yeah. So the goal. Because hey, that's your skill set. You love uh, prepping people for uh, yeah, shows, don't you? A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cortisol-inducing. Cortisol. Inducing. cortisol. Yeah. Um, okay, you so old. Paul's starting stats. Okay. Uh, around seventy-nine kilos on the scales. That's not too shabby. Thirteen percent body fat. On the bio print okay so that's right. on the on a biasing probably, probably closer ten to a, half, a 10 or thereabouts like reasonably lean mm. Um, mm. and about 68 kilos of lean body mass okay so after three to four four phases of training now starting at a, a baseline for him thereabouts calories of 3200 on a training day has been titrated up over the phases of training to hit around about 4,500. So he's in about a 30... <laughs> 3,200
1: 30... 2, is pretty significant anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah. he's very active. He does a lot of sessions, Yep, yep. walks to work and various things like this. So yep. it's a fairly high baseline to start with. Right, a lot of... Uh, a lot of meat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Non-exile activity for yes. a listener.
0: So we've worked up to around about a 35% caloric surplus. Mm, um Eating about 500 grams of carbs on a training day gone through four phases of training we started off at about a sort of a, a relative strength to functional hypertrophy phase we moved then into a more of a functional hypertrophy so we we're just slowly moving our way up then we went to some straight hypertrophy training mm-hmm. and then we've come back down to more of a functional rep range Again, mm. calories increasing with each one of these. Mm. Okay, mm. so after these four phases of training and, mm. and the associated well, four kilos lean muscle mass, <laughs> body fat down. Hit me with it, Tom. The associated strength gains and everything numbers yeah. keep going up. You know, well, good, uh, do, uh, doing well. Uh,
1: bigger, uh, the same size muscle can generate more force. Uh, so the muscle has to be going. On you front. would have
0: thought so. The uh, the stats. Hmm. So from seventy nine kilos scale weight. yep. yep. To seventy seven kilos scale oh. weight. Oh. body fat okay come on what are you from, Eight, seven, six. From, from 13 down to 10.5 okay so we did drop mm. uh, lean body mass from 68 up to 69 a whole kilo of mass now
1: now hold on let's just before we go on I know we are going to go on and pick this to pieces but yep. let's just I know you, you've you been quite critical on yourself but let's ha- have a so what that so that was say 12 weeks you're into the fourth phase yeah yeah it would we'll, be about 12 weeks yeah. okay so yep. a kilo in 12 weeks yep Okay, how many blocks of 12 weeks in a, in a year four of them yes okay, that's four kilos of lean muscle mass in a year for a natural now any of our listeners will they'll be right on the other end of this this uh, microphone yeah. saying that's uh, significant so i know in the short term it, it didn't seem like much and you're hoping for more with the effort he put in but yes it, it, to put it take it out of context and have a look at it in
0: its individuality and it's actually
1: not bad but we'll, we'll look, look, pick at the
0: pieces anyway by no means is it is it a disaster <laughs> it's just really interesting that the volume of food that he's consuming yeah. can't even generate really much of a shift on uh, and just on scale weight yeah and so looking at this and thinking about what i'm going to do with him next a, a, a few things popped to my, to yep. my mind as these basic si- tried and tested systems aren't applicable for a dead set Cut and dry ectomorph, which is what Paul is, right? So, what you can elaborate a little on what the you're talking like bigger
1: volume carbs while training, that type of thing,
0: all that kind of stuff. So, I feel that he's been training too much, so yep. too much volume, training too many times per week, yep, but maybe not enough frequency per body part, okay. But. And overall, too much too much volume. Yep. So uh, my instinct is to is to to change things up dramatically. Keep the calories high, but pull his workouts from five times a week down to three, full body workouts, four sets per exercise, five exercises per workout, mm. compounds, mm. and just give enough stimulus to generate a little bit of muscle mass, but something that he can actually recover from because it, it would appear that the the recovery cycle and what hmm. he's doing is where the missing link is, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um,
0: what what about his other lifestyle factors at this point in time? Obviously, dotted the i's and crossed the t's so on sleep. On sleep, uh, digestion was the, obviously the first point you, you turn to because you think, are okay, you eating all this food? Are you actually uh, assimilating, assimilating it, or yep. is it just just pouring through you? Mm. Dotted the i's and crossed the t's there over the first phase or two. Yep. Happy with all of that. Now it's just a, a process of Cracking the pool code, basically mm, mm, mm. finding a, a, a system of nutrition and training that's going to allow him to actually grow. Yeah,
1: know? fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's really really interesting. Yes,
1: <laughs> you know for uh, for all that effort as well. And um, I mean, you know, the time that I've spent there, um, ROP, mm. you know, I, I, I would say that I, I did always see him. He seemed to always be training. You know, the, yeah. there was a lot of volume there, and. Um, yeah, maybe he was just. Uh, well, obviously he was just just chewing up those calories, and uh, his uh, because that's the thing with uh, with calculating the BMR, and it, and it is a theoretical number, and 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 you can yes. factor in need as much as you can, but but need for one person might be, and that's non-exercise activity thermogenesis for our listeners. Basically, the incidental activity that that um, uh, uses energy, you know, from tapping the toe to up to the photocopier back to. You know, for him, he, 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 I would say he is uh, quite an in-depth uh, coach uh, when he is coaching. There's a lot of moving, a lot of... Uh, he does everything, uh, like you should, for yep. the client. So, yep. he's, he's textbook in that regard. Yes. And I dare say, um, you know, all that must be, um, you know, adding up to a significant... Absolutely, amount of calories yeah. He, he, yeah.
0: He's got a furnace that burns hot. Um, yeah. The other interesting thing about it, Roden, that popped up during the process is that there was a... a there have been periods of... Um, I guess you were classified as self-sabotage to a degree. Okay. Where he would uh, not get the calories in. Because when we got to a stage where we thought, okay, the volume is obviously not working, so let's pull the volume back and go back to some functional hypertrophy. Yep. But keep the calories high. In his brain, he, he, he thought, I'm eating so much food uh, and I'm not training as much as I was before, mm. so I'm going to get fat. Mm. And, and, and so he would... You know, find himself short of time or not eating calories. And he mm. actually said, "Mate, I I I really think it's like this subconscious thing where I'm scared of putting on fat, mm. and I'm not getting these calories in because essentially, with a, a surplus that high, we mm. are really force feeding the body. The mm. brain knows that we don't really need this much food. Mm. We're trying to take the body to a place where it's, yeah. you know, it doesn't necessarily need to go.
1: Yeah, and I dare say, pr- postprandial... prandial uh there'd be a fair bit of digestion occurring when he's starting to woof his next meal down and that's for any of our listeners that have done that and I've certainly done that and I think you've you've been through periods where you've done that but it's quite a it's not a pleasant experience you know the novelty wears off very quickly yeah Yeah. first uh, few days like this is cool and then it's like oh it's a chore and you know, for for our listeners that that you know do do any sort of uh, physique preparation or have done photo shoots or any sort of cut for summer type thing, mm. you know, invariably it will be uh, carbohydrates will come down to some degree, and generally that's the only thing you that you yearn and you crave, but. Uh, when you, I would imagine Paul would be like dreading the sight of a, a bowl of pasta yeah. or uh, or <laughs> rice and yeah. or whatever it is. You know, it, it does become quite an
0: exercise. Mm. So we'll um, this is, I guess, a bit of a case study that we'll follow on the program. So we're mm. going to, I'm basically just going to stick to some of the um, the ectomorph rules, mm. uh, pull back training frequency. Yep pull back the total volume per body part, Yep. still keep the calories high, mm. and uh, like I said, just try and find that balance between giving enough stimulus to induce or elicit growth, mm. but without burning them out.
1: You yeah, know? enough time for recovery. What I do like though, I, I, again, you know, you probably, not that you necessarily felt like you, you've done the wrong thing by Paul, but rather than, oh, he's an ectomorph, I'm going to train him this way, you know, I, I, I think you embrace the, the typical um, rules of hypertrophy and, and yeah. jammed a lot of volume in with a lot of calories and let's see what happens and then, okay, one phase, second phase, okay, let's reassess, okay, cool. Now, it wasn't exactly as much as what you and I wanted, now let's change things and let's look at what would be more appropriate for an ectomorph rather yeah. than just labeling uh, individuals into certain uh, genres and, and, and body types. Mm. some other types and, and saying well you're a you're an endo so i'm going to train you like this Or you're a meso, i'm going to train you like this yes you know, you get in there look at them look at all the variables get his bmr mm. use a bit of method to the manners train them hard see what happens and it's exactly what i do you know there are rules and 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 guidelines in in between male female and, and different body types but but i'll tell you now and our listeners will, will probably agree you know few and far between calorie uh, clients that actually do you know, fall 100% of that bracket and, exactly. and, it, and it simply yeah. is a, tr- a case of cracking the code for, for Paul as much yeah. as it is with every other client and 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 even with, with my experience with the same competitor getting ready for shows, it'll be, you know, it completely, it's like I'm working with someone different. Different, yeah. You know, it was what like, "Well,
0: last time doesn't apply this time." A- and it yeah. would
1: make sense. What worked last time, get the phys- got their physique to a certain level. Yep. Now we want to get beyond that? Well, obviously we've got to train a different, different way and, yeah. and, and apply a yeah. different stimulus. So,
0: having said yeah. that, and and uh, it's the kind words that you say, mate. I did have uh, in my head, I had this plan, and mm. so after the first phase of training, all the body fat that came off from the thirteen to ten. 0.5. That happened in the first phase. Okay. That was the goal of that. We I kept carbohydrates fairly low. What I wanted to do okay. was drop body fat, increase insulin sensitivity, get him right and ready to, to suck up some carbs, mm. and put on some mass. Mm. And I was like, here we go. We've got this guy who, you know, has a moderate training age. Yep. Um, he's nice and lean. Uh, we're ready to trains, go. Trains well. Trains. Yeah, training's fine. I know he's going to train hard. Moving patterns are great. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my chance just to have a, a you know, a a lovely textbook type palette to to, to, to draw this painting on you know I can get the carbs in I can train him up and everything and then phase by phase Mm. I've just gone you you know what you
1: thought you had you you thought you had one of my clients and uh, you know a Steve McLeod or or, or James Kahn there's only or an Alex Thompson there's only a few of them they're all mine they're the clients that I get Yes. so I can look like a super coach that's right I I don't really have to do too much and you've just got a uh, a (laughs) Paul you know what I mean yeah fascinating though but um, yeah I'll be, I'll be, I'll be really uh, look I love the guy and, and yes. I really want him success on stage and I think he he has a great uh, uh, starting base mm. so uh, with a little bit of more meat on his on his frame and, and dial that condition in I think he'll do really well but um Certainly a, a a worthy individual uh, training in the trenches. Uh, it'd be good to see him yeah, succeed. Yeah. So,
0: so we'll uh, I'll keep you guys updated and we'll uh, watch this space. Yeah.
1: And if we hear nothing over the, <laughs> the coming episodes. <laughs> <they> <laughs> <laughs>
0: The Icon Performance Health Podcast. And, Rawdon. the beauty of uh, podcasting is that it's mm, in mm. this stage of infancy where professionalism is not yet a requisite. No, a, no. We wouldn't get away with what we do on this show as we would on, on actual commercial radio, that's no, for sure. No, it's taken as a good year. Yes. And uh, I think we're safely as unprofessional as when we started. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for resident neuroscientist Luke Tulloch. He's the uh, one of the senior coaches down there at the Lift Performance Centre alongside yep. yourself. Yes. And um, whilst he's a neuroscientist as such, mm. it's it's the physiology at heart that, that Luke's really interested it, in. It makes him tick, yeah. And that's what we can sort of pick his brains at and get some real world applications as to how, how we can work with things like the endocrine system and, yep. and all the, the various hormones in the body. Yeah, cortisol. To, um, that's for Stefan. affect a body composition change. Mm. So mm. Luke, mate, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us, mate. If you could just give us a little bit of a, I guess, fill in the dots from... Neuroscience to physiology and,
2: and how you sort of came about all that, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So essentially, I started off as a trainer uh, probably nine years ago and got interested in going back and studying. Started off doing some biochem and uh, some psychology and then moved into the old neuroscience degree because it gave me a bit of flexibility to study the physiology that I love so yep. dearly the old neuroscience degree yes. yeah yeah, that one. yeah. Yes. Yep. it's a doozy. That's I a doozy considered it myself back in the day but yeah. uh, you know yeah, no, yeah, the, the podcast yeah, T- right. too much effort yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know that gave me the background to basically do some research and i like looking at research i like reading academic publications and articles yep. and being able to analyze it basically so mm. uh, the degree certainly gave me the background to be able to do that and Hours upon hours of reading. Later, here we yes. are. Well, well,
0: that's a very nice fit for this show because Rod and I yeah. don't like analysing uh, no. research we, and data. We
1: just like to do uh, bumble my way through the intro, straight to the conclusion, <laughs> yes. and yes. then rattle it off and say, "Well, you know, this study proved it, so you can yeah. do it." Well, that's the way to do but, it. But uh, but I think Luke, you're going to give us a little bit more detail. And uh, for our listener, Luke and I, I've known Luke for a little while, and. Um, uh, back in the uh, back in the Fitness First Hornsby days yeah, way back then yeah. but uh, we, I could listen to Luke talk all day and we could we, we can have an com- in-depth conversation but one of the things I, I, I do like is that Luke will I'll, I'll have a study and this was just the the other week and I, and I was sort of rattling off all these facts and figures and he's like hold on hold on we'll see well what you need to you know you can't take it in its entirety you got to look at you know the uh, the influencing factors of the study and and sort of picked it to pieces and you know for the for the untrained reader you can sort of put one and one and make two but sometimes you need to dig a little deeper and, and that's certainly what uh One of the many things that Luke's going to help us with.
0: Yeah. So we might get to a study in a second, but just uh, to give our listeners a bit of an idea of what we're going to flesh out over the coming weeks and months. It's going to be good. The endocrine system, mate. Can you just give us a, a brief, as you can, sort of overview of what it actually is and what it does and how it might be relevant to our listeners? Yeah,
2: sure. So the endocrine system basically just refers to the whole system of hormones in the body and what they do. They're essentially the chemical messengers that make us tick and so uh obviously being aware of their effects and how to best use them in our training and nutrition to achieve health and our training goals is paramount so the the big thing with the endocrine system is that it's all contextual it all comes back to it depends and so what we will be looking at is things like your insulin your cortisol estrogen progesterone you've probably heard of some of all of these but um they all have their role to play and it all kind of depends on the context in which you're looking at them. So, that's what we're going to analyse in the coming months and see how we go. Beautiful. Yeah, that's exciting
0: because we band you around you know, cortisol and insulin all these things all the time. But And in the industry we do generally. It would be nice to have a really rock solid set of bullet points as to what these things actually are and what they mm. actually do mm. and how we can manipulate them. Yes, because that would it, be very good. It's, it's one thing to understand these things, and I'll ask you this, Luke, I mean, mm. how much of an impact through nutrition and training can we actually have in, in manipulating the endocrine system?
2: Uh, we can have a pretty big impact, you know, it, it's all a response to our environment and the stimulus that we put on our body, and every time we eat, every time we train, yeah, pretty much everything we do is some kind of stimulus that the body responds and adapts yeah. to, so you can certainly manipulate that stuff to get the hormonal outcome that you might be looking for yep uh, I think one of the things as well is whether or not that will actually make a difference in the long term and that's probably something we'll be discussing you know acute versus chronic changes that kind yeah. of thing yeah yeah and whether you should
1: sweat the small details whether there's bigger Absolutely. things that you should be worried about but yeah that's awesome man I'm looking forward to it mm. so what are we gonna uh, put uh, Luke on the spot with today uh,
0: well, Tommy. Look, just to warm things up and give the listeners a bit of an idea as to, and get, get to know Luke, I, yeah. in essence, the good old uh, red meat is bad for you oh, uh, yeah. uh, situation. <laughs> don't get Lukey started on that one, <laughs> mate. Oh, mate. So it's, it's been doing the rounds again. Essentially, the uh, yep. World Health Organization got together a group of 20-odd scientists from uh, 10 different countries, and they got these scientists to look and collate the data from over 800 studies that had investigated this association between cancer and yep. red or processed meats. Yep. And uh, at the end of it all, they've said, well, there is a, a link. Definite um, link. Definite yep. link with the processed meats. Not quite enough evidence yet with uh, red meats to suggest causation, mm. but that mm. link is there. Yep. I guess in the industry that we're in and with the amount of uh, red meat that people would eat or that we, yeah. we you know, we espouse the benefits of it from time to time, it's yep. a little bit of a... There is a fear factor out there. Yeah. And um, it would be good just to sort of once and for all draw a line and say okay this is what it is and this is what it is what is the go can we have some bacon yeah you know is it this funny little sugar molecule that's in the red meat that causes inflammation is it the way it's cooked and the charring and Mm. and Mm. the compounds that are caused from doing that or is there nothing
2: at all is it other lifestyle factors yeah that might be the one but yeah so what's your spin Luke well first of all I'd like to address the uh, original study that came out a few years ago. I think it was 2008, 2009 that uh, was talking about the the old carnitine link. Um, And this was the previous study that started to get this whole red meat and cancer thing going or red meat and mortality. And um, Mm. that certainly had a plausible mechanism in it. But there's been a few of them out now. And the first thing I wanted to address is just the actual type of study that produce this information they're mm-hmm. actually called epidemiological studies yep. and essentially these studies are used because they allow us to look at a large data set but they don't control for many variables at all like So a lot of lifestyle factors and stuff like that yeah, yeah absolutely man so you know, when we're looking at things like cancer risk and death risk, it's kind of hard to just isolate a few variables and stick someone in a metabolic ward and watch them for 20 years and see if they get cancer, right? <laughs> mm. So yeah. basically, your scientists have to revert to basically sending out surveys and trying to get as much data as possible and then look for an association in the data. But as we've probably heard many times before, correlation does not equal causation. Yep. And so at best, we can uh, get some observational data from this try to draw a link and then tease out possible mechanisms by doing tests in test tubes and, and in more isolated type of studies uh, but the first point I want to make is that these types of studies can't be as conclusive and they can't uh, give us a causation yeah uh, compared to say a double blind controlled study yeah okay so purely based off the nature of the study
0: mm. we can't draw any direct causation
2: that's First correct. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, so they often use these types of studies to actually get hypotheses. So you might see some kind of correlation in a in a data set and you go, "Oh, hang on. Does lifting with more volume cause more muscle growth?" Well, let's design a study to test that hypothesis. Yep. Obviously, like I said, with cancer it's a bit hard to actually do that. So mm. at best you can kind of say, "Oh, it looks like there's a bit of a link here. Do we have any potential mechanisms that could cause that yeah maybe okay so maybe we're gonna make some recommendations based off that okay all right okay so that's point number one point number one number two number two so let's look at this actual study a little bit firstly that press release that came out that was given the rounds on social media was actually just a one and a half page summary of the paper itself it the paper hadn't been i don't even know if it's released as of today uh, (laughs) that we're recording to be honest with you um i think there was just a summary that was put out that was uh promoted by the world health organization and was given to media outlets so in the first case trying to pick apart and analyze the study itself is a bit of a um, when it's just a summary it's an operation in futility isn't it so that's the first point i want to make but There are some things that we can have a look at in here in terms of mechanisms linking to cancer Um, there are mechanisms in place that this this study could uh, be giving us some information on okay Um, so I want to break those down a little bit uh, and give the listeners some hints and tips on how we can mitigate these potential mechanisms and it's really pretty straightforward yeah and I think that'll properly debunk this study and hopefully it (laughs) <laughs> won't rear attack again <laughs> okay. yeah because yeah, yeah. uh, I foolishly uh, when I was, I was swanning through lift the other
1: day I said I ah, patted Luke on the back oh you heard the latest uh, there's another meat scare and he rolled his eyes said, I'm not even going to discuss it and then sort of walked off and yeah, like, no, Okay, no. okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get so, him in the studio and make him discuss yeah, it yeah, we, we we'll, we'll put him on the spot yeah. awesome mm. that sounds like it uh, be really good for our okay. listeners and ourselves actually
0: yeah cool and are we drawing a distinction between processed and red meats here we are indeed so the
2: study itself actually made processed meats as a category one which means that it does have a link (laughs) to higher rates of colorectal cancer so to be a bit more specific colorectal cancer is the only type of cancer looked at by this okay cancer itself actually depending on the type of cancer is really really different and can have different causes yep so we're not talking like across the board you're going to get more cancer if you eat more red meat we're talking specifically about colorectal cancer so that's in your colon and uh, the rectum okay so processed meat was a category one normal red meat was a category 2a 2a means that there's a probable link but they're not certain okay okay so, definitely the process may came out as being like, definitely there's some kind of link here. Definitely yep. something um, there. So, okay. that's going to be obviously something that uh, will receive a little bit more focus in terms of what we're talking about today. Okay, okay. okay. Well, I'm
0: feeling easier about some lamb cutlets already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate. That's yeah, type okay. 2A. I mean, oh, that's like a muscle fiber.
1: Yeah, yes, I'm mate. on board. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> None of my
2: anatomy. So, the uh, the big issue with, with behind all of these mechanisms is that the molecule hemoglobin, which is in the red meat that's what gives it its red color right yep. so every type of meat's going to have a bit of a different makeup it's going to have more or less hemoglobin some meat's a little bit whiter there's a bit less hemoglobin in there people often refer to pork as a white meat it's actually a, you know, a red meat it has hemoglobin in it but maybe not quite as much as say your beef or lamb Okay. Sure. so hemoglobin's the main thing that we're looking at uh, that's the issue here so there's a type of compound called an NOC that's produced from hemoglobin in the gut and that is one of the compounds that can actually cause damage to the gut lining, and that can potentially cause this colorectal cancer formation. What was that one called? NOC. NOC. That's Noc. right. Yeah. Now, processed meat actually has, you get faster NOC production. Right. So, the less processed the meat, the higher quality it is, essentially, yep. the less these NFCs are going to be produced. And so therefore, that's the mechanism lowering your risk by eating less processed meat, basically. Okay. Okay. So NFC, that's a little... Okay, so
0: so this is one potential mechanism by which red meat can cause colorectal cancer. Absolutely right. The production of this little chemical NFC. That's exactly right. right. So
2: if you actually look at the hemoglobin molecule, right, if you look at chlorophyll, which is in plants, obviously, the plants have chlorophyll in them, and that molecule is very similar in structure to hemoglobin. It just doesn't have the same sort of iron inside there and what the chlorophyll can do is it can actually neutralize the noc production so uh, if we're looking at purely eating meat by itself sure you're going to get some hemoglobin in there but let's say you add a bit of a salad in there yep ah. yeah. all of a sudden <laughs> we got a bit of chlorophyll okay that neutralizes the noc production so it's important to look at a study like this and say, right, do people only eat red meat Mm. or do they eat other things as well? Mm -hmm. Who's more likely to eat processed red meat? People who don't like their veggies maybe? People who smoke as well? People who don't exercise as much? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, in reality, what we're looking at is a mixed meal that most people would probably be eating. So they're going to eat red meat as well as some other stuff. Now, if we're combining red meat with some... Leafy greens, let's say, as yep. I'm sure most people listening to this podcast probably do or yep. recommend to their yep, clients, yep, yep. then we're effectively neutralizing that risk to a great extent. I'm um, okay. obviously going to know how much by, but uh, it's certainly a large degree, and, and that's going to definitely reduce the risk of NOC formation, reduces the risk of colorectal cancer from red meat.
0: Okay. All right. Bullet yeah. yes. point
2: number one leafy greens with every red yeah. meat meal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Get your leafy greens in there. It's good. Now you brought up before the charred meat. Yes, oh yeah, yes, yes. Was the, real ta- the real, tasty one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the tastiest of meats. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> mate,
1: don't, don't you dare burst this bubble. <laughs> Go on, continue. I'm really sorry. Get ready to cut the mic, Cam. Yeah, mate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for so,
2: it. So I got a a bit of a big one, big word for you: heterocyclic amines. So HCAs, yep. I know there's going to be a lot of uh, acronyms in here, but metris- neuroscience. I amines. Yeah. it comes with oh, mate, we,
1: we, we Look, white lab coats on. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> NOC
2: and HCL. Got it. <laughs> 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 I just throw them out to sound smart to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Here. yeah, you impressed us. Well, those are the ones that are produced. They're formed in the charring of meat, okay. right? right? So this is another damaging molecule. Okay, so if you have meat. Uh, and you char it whether that's you know on your grill which is where most of it might happen or even if you're sort of pan frying and you get that nice crispy outside yeah yeah that tasty bit that's actually where the heterocyclic amine is produced right well what about if you burn the toast in the morning and and eat that yeah
0: same thing yeah
2: same kind of idea Um, so that's a potential problem but the counter to that happens to be vegetables again oh okay However, they've also done some really interesting studies on this relating to spices. So your, you know, your turmeric, cinnamon, yep. Yep. paprika, that kind of stuff actually neutralises some of the effect from the heterocyclic amines. Okay. And so if you're going to do a nice charred piece of steak on the barbie, <laughs> so at can least marinate it. it okay at least marinate it yeah right um in particular the sort of caribbean spices tend to do mm. the best on mm. this mm. um which is kind of interesting if you enjoy that kind of thing that's fantastic
0: Yeah. i no, mm. quite like them yeah the old rastafarian steak yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a reggae steak Very good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that's a that's a really sound strategy and we know like these spices have a variety of health benefits we know cinnamon can help with things yep. like you know blood sugar. Yeah. Uh, we know yeah insulin sensitivity. We know that a lot of them have antioxidant properties and most important to me they make food taste a lot better <laughs> when you're tired <laughs> Yeah. So adding the spices to your meal, whether that's actually on the meat itself or maybe in your vegetables, will actually mitigate the damage that these heterocyclic amines so do that in the neutralizing gut
1: neutralizing them again like with the NAC. Yeah, exactly. Or? Yeah. Yeah, okay.
2: exactly right. So again we circle back to making sure we have enough vegetables in there. Yep and at least make sure that your meat tastes decent with a bit of spice yeah okay okay. that's pretty easy sounds good all right and uh finally i guess that carnitine link yep uh so this was the one that was brought up in the previous study done a couple of years ago and this one's actually linked to your gut bacteria interestingly (laughs) enough now we know the gut bacteria is a growing area of science and Mm -hmm. we know that it dramatically affects your health in a variety of ways that's Mm. still kind of being investigated but we do know that there's a link to your particular gut bacteria balance and uh, how you respond to red meat ingestion in terms of cancer formation in the body. So that uh, issue with carnitine is that red meat happens to be rich in carnitine. Mm-hmm. When it enters the gut under certain conditions, in other words, if there's a certain balance of gut bacteria, that gets turned into a compound called TMAO. And the amount produced varies with your gut bacteria and elevated levels of this TMAO is actually what is correlated with increased incidences of colorectal cancer. Okay. So, long story short, it's taking care of your gut bacteria that's going to be important and um, one of the ways to do that, surprise, surprise, is actually getting enough vegetables. Once again, it comes up. But I think also the variety of vegetables is important here. Some vegetables provide different sorts of uh, food for the gut; those are called prebiotics. Yep. Yep. And so inter- resistant starch. Yeah, resistant starch is one of them. Yep. And interestingly enough, that s- uh, you know supplementation or addition of prebiotic material to the diet is actually probably more effective than giving probiotics. Yeah,
1: that's what I've heard as well.
2: Yeah. So people might be going nuts with the probiotics, but man, if you ain't eating enough vegetables yeah. and enough variety in there, getting your resistant starch in, which is in things like you know potatoes and rice, particularly yep. once they've cooled down. Then uh, you know you're probably not getting the best bang for your buck. I think um, uh,
1: Meno uh, has that opinion too. So the absolutely.
2: research says that
1: uh, probiotics, eh, but prebiotics—that's what you should really focus that's on. That's where it's at. Fermented right? veggies,
2: and uh, like you said resistant starch stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, if we're looking at this study, just to sort of give an, an overall summary, we have some potential mechanisms that have been brought out by uh, what we call in vitro. Research, which is essentially when you just isolate as many variables as you can and control for them and test these things in a sort of test tube type environment. So these aren't in vivo, which is done inside an actual living biological system. Mm -hmm. So these mechanisms have been teased out. We kind of have a bit of an idea of how they work and we've seen a bit of an association with the observational epidemiological studies out there. So we know that there's potential mechanisms there, but we don't know for sure that, hey, you eat red meat, you're going to get colorectal cancer. It's just not as simple as that. Uh, But at the end of the day, the recommendations aren't necessarily just to not eat red meat or to eat heaps less of it. I think what it comes down to is something sensible, which is moderation. Make sure you're eating a variety of healthy foods. Make sure you get your leafy greens and your other veggies in there. Make sure you're taking care of your gut by eating a variety of vegetable matter. And then spice it up. Yeah, spice it up, eat your red meat. um, Make sure not all of it's processed, I suppose, would be a good response. But it's by no means a call to arms against red meat yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, as it might be splayed about on social media yes and okay. if we
0: flip those recommendations and look at the the stereotype of who might be getting cancer yeah so these uh the nocs which are neutralized by the chlorophyll in the salad yeah. mm-hmm. or your, your typical uh, overweight western diet consuming persons not eating a lot of salad based material yeah, a maybe, processed food, maybe yep. a little bit of lettuce on the burger kind of thing, not particularly rich in chlorophyll. Exactly. You've got the HCA, which is uh, neutralised by various spices and, and marinades, they just you know Cinnamon. a bit of salt and probably some sugar added to the processed meat is all mm, they'll get mm, there. Mm. And then the carnitine and that compound TMAO, which is affected by the the gut biome, to biome. chuck that uh, <laughs> term yep. that we like in so much. The, mm, the typical mm. Western diet, the gut profile of that person is typically far more unhealthy than someone who's eating a large ra- range of veggies and fibres and all that kind of stuff as well. Definitely. So. On the three counts, they're more already predisposed to getting cancer or colorectal cancer. So for the general person listening to this podcast who's healthy and they train and they eat a wide variety of foods and they have Mm. salads Mm. and veggies and some Mm. fibres and some pre's and some pros, Mm. Mm. boom. Bob's your uncle. Red meat's not a problem. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
1: That's definitely the conclusion I would come to. So to clarify, um, so bacon... Uh daily is that pushing the, the uh <laughs> colorectal
2: uh boundaries a little or would you say a couple of times a week? Mate, honestly I think it depends on the person, but in most cases I think you'll be right as long as your vegetable count is up and no. as long it's as a catch. As long as
1: your gut's in good shape. I'm just shape. gonna have a couple yeah. of caps of chlorophyll with
2: my bacon, I think. Mate yes. for you I'd probably yeah. just cut down to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking at my midsection <laughs> <he's> said <saying. laughs> Very cheeky, Luke yeah alright beautiful okay
1: that's good I think that was a well and truly uh, quite a complex study put into layman's terms that you exactly. and I can understand yep which our listener will well and truly understand yes so, far uh, more uh, intellectual
0: than you and I so that's good a nice little taste of what's to come uh, with you Luke we can look at the science behind things yep we can break down the studies that come out and the hype and cut through and give our listeners some um, bullet Take points away. to walk away with yeah beautiful sounds great
1: cool alright Luke awesome to have you on look forward to your uh, first official segment in uh, 2016 exciting Thanks a lot, James. Thanks, mate. Well done. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Uh, the same emotion as the Rocky theme no, but gee but it's good it's powerful
1: yeah I just feel like running slow motion around the room yes uh,
0: <laughs> I feel like sending you another uh, heartfelt text message yes yes. yes you <laughs> save those for Tazzy <laughs> well there has been a, a, a welcome back message to our listeners uh, mm. that's the episode it quite a big time. one Look, it turned out to be reasonably substantial.
1: Yes. Yeah, It's It was yeah. just supposed to be a quick snippet. Mm, yes. A little uh, snapshot of what was coming up, but we got carried away.
0: Yeah, at least now, you know, you can uh, eat your red meat and, and feel good about it. Yes. Provided, of course, if you're going to burn it, you, uh, you marinate it in some Caribbean spices. Yes, yes. This is delightful. Yep. Um, make sure you have some leafy greens mm-hmm. uh, with some chlorophyll. Tick, to uh, To neutralise the... Um, the schmancy things in your gut. The hemoglobin. Uh, type things. Thing, things, yes, yeah. yes. Maybe uh, a little more layman's terms with that one, Lukey. Yeah. Um, uh, the carnitine, which uh, disrupts the gut biome. Bio. Once again, the leafy greens, the, the resistant starch. Yep, yep, yep. All that, all that you know, eye dotting T crossing. I'm yep. sure you guys do that uh, anyway.
1: They've heard us talk about those sorts of things.
0: So, uh, red meat away.
1: And that um, was uh, Luke Tullick in his uh, in all his glory. Oh and yes, w- he'll be a regular
0: guest on our on our, our fortnightly program. Yes, will yep. be good to tap into that. Mm-hmm. Rawdon, a very nice little distinction you made with your with your just sub baseline refeeding. You know, you just you just bump it up a little bit relative to what they've adapted to. And yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, I, the, I
1: like that. The metabolic rate will adapt to some degree. Yeah, and. Um, Different if it's uh, long-term dieting a little bit different. But I'm talking about if you're in the up against the throws, clock. Yeah, yeah, up against yeah, the clock. Yeah, Just yeah. be
0: aware aware of it. Yep, very nice. Look, we'll we'll uh, we'll continue to fight the battle of the ectomorph. And we'll, yeah, we'll, uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll see where we go. Yep. And uh, look, stay tuned for um, we'll drip feed a few little bits and pieces over the coming weeks. Yep. Through uh, December, and then uh, 2016, we're going to kick it off with a real big show with uh, Nelson Virgil. Nelson Virgil. to yep, be on
1: and of course, the, the our
0: regular the, con- uh, contributors: yep. Charles Poliquin, aka Strength Sensei; yep. uh, Paul Carter, uh, the most p- prolific man uh, blogging; yep. Mark Buckley, our geek, strength extra. training geek; yep. uh, Dan, FMA fam. Dan Garner, yep. our uh, nutritionist geek; <laughs> yep. and uh, Luke Tullock, our Who physiology neuroscientist geek. geek. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then we've got Cam; he's a geek as well. Yes. Is a sound tech geek. He'll be there too in the background. Boom. See you later, guys. Bye-bye.